Feeds it to White. Over to Caruso. Hello and welcome back to C-Red UK, where quite simply, is Chicago Bulls scene. This podcast is part of the Fans First Sports Network. Wherever you're listening, rate, review, subscribe, helps us out and ensures you don't miss another episode. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the bell, give it a thumbs up and leave the comments down below. I'm Matt and as usual, joined by Neil. How are we doing, Neil? I'm okay considering we've had two... Um overtime games to have to deal with this week um i think the only thing that's keeping us going is the fact that they were overtime wins and not overtime losses maybe yeah um i'm i'm not gonna lie i'm very tired today i'm yeah. running off my little nana nap that i have before the game which last night was about three hours um and obviously dropped another episode a video episode earlier today as well um so yeah starting work at five o'clock and still still talking bulls so it's yeah. uh yeah um obviously like i say there is one out there on youtube talking about the rockets game last night if you haven't, che- uh, you haven't seen it yet go check it out it'll be in the feed as the last video before this one uh obviously they're just something that we're we're trialing pretty much yeah. aren't they them little short ones see see what happens basically means we can talk about other stuff in these ones yeah uh, absolutely we'll uh we'll crack on with it now obviously we beat rockets last night in the overtime as you just said and there's a few points that i didn't quite get into in my video before um that I just obviously found it easy well find it easier that it's going to be to discuss with you um the first one was the rotations right you know we saw well i I said in the last couple of episodes that when the likes of zach and vooch come back i didn't want to see basically going back to what what we were seeing beforehand um you know and that included the likes of drummond losing minutes he went down to 13 minutes last night and yeah. as I mentioned in that video before, no rebounds. What yeah. the hell is that all about? That's an anomaly, that is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And it was weird because the way he was playing, I don't know how you found it, but the way he was playing and he was in the middle, he was in the mix. I I, I couldn't believe it when I found out he didn't have any rebounds because I was like, surely yeah. he's been getting rebounds. He's been in the middle of everything. Surely he's been getting rebounds. No, nothing. <laughs> you know, and... I mean, the game did seem to get away from both Drummond and Vooch, but yet we see Billy consist well, consistently persist with Vooch yeah. over Drummond, even though Drummond's proved the last few weeks what he can do. Mm. You know, and another part of the rotation was obviously he went with this nine-man rotation. I'd say more an eight-man rotation because Dale and Terry got about six minutes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, obviously the one that seemed to miss out, Javon Carter. Mm. And B&B. Yeah, it just... I don't know. I don't understand how we're at this point in the season and Billy still doesn't know what he's doing with his rotations. And, you know, he basically let these other players, you know, the likes of Dylan Terry, get these minutes and then all of a sudden it's like yeah just go take a seat and it, yeah it just i just find it annoying um i don't know what your sort of take on the rotations in that way yeah we're back to what we've talked about in in the past with billy aren't we with he seems so restricted and, and self-restricted i mean he does it to himself so restricted on the number of players he's prepared to play in a single game. You know, he's gone back to this nine man, which is pretty much where he's been in the past and, and doesn't want to deviate outside of that. And and that's a bit strange, but I actually thought that the rotations themselves within the game weren't bad. Yeah. The only issue was that he 
didn't expand that little bit further. Um, I mean, he could have he could have given slightly less minutes to some of the players and uh, and expanded that little bit more by throwing Javon in or giving Dalian a few more minutes. But um, no, that's just not the way Billy operates, I guess. Yeah, and um, I mean, look, obviously we've got the win. That's that's yeah. all that matters at the end of the day. Um, as I said before, it is not a win over Houston Rockets of last year. It's this current Houston Rockets. So people saying that it's only Rockets. They had a better record than us coming into the game. They were above 500 coming into the game. So, yeah. And as we said in that Hornets game, uh, yeah, Hornets game, the last one that went to overtime, we could quite easily have lost them games, but mm-hmm. we didn't. Oh, yeah. We, ideally, you don't want to go to overtime, as my little thing says. No more overtime. Sick of yeah. it. Um, you know, I'm I'm not prepared for free basketball at three o'clock in the morning. It's just doesn't appeal to me um but yeah it does it seems to be a different kind of mental toughness with this team at the minute yeah um and that kind of takes me on to the next talking point from it is the iso demar again you know we saw it in the hornets game and we saw it in the rockets game Right. Last night in particular, if that shot drops, nobody questions it. Yeah. Because we know Demar can hit him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he it bounced off the rim and gave them another opportunity, people are now getting on at Demar and saying, well, Demar and Billy, you know, why are they why are they running that play all the time? You know, why is Demar taking 22 seconds with the ball, dribbling it up and hitting that same shot? Because the opposition know what's coming. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm not saying the ball should have gone to Zach because I don't want to see Zach in clutch. No. Kobe was also hot. Mm-hmm. Not for the first time this season where we've seen it as well, where... The ball just doesn't go to Kobe in them last what minute, two minutes. Right. And I said to you before, I've got a few questions for you. And the first one is it, I was just trying to think how to word it now. If the ball went to Kobe in that situation, and it's just the first thought that comes into your head, what does Kobe do? I, well, actually, the first thought that comes into my head is Kobe passes it because he's so used to deferring. But what I'd like to see is Kobe catch it, not think about it, and shoot it from probably from distance. Yeah. Well, if you'd asked me that question, my answer would have been, I don't know. Because we haven't and seen it. Be- yeah, that's the main reason because we haven't seen it. But mainly because, as well, because the way Kobe's developed his game at the minute, you just don't know what he's going to do. You don't know if he's going to, like you say, pass it because that's what he's used to. I need to find Demar. You don't know mm-hmm. if he's going to shoot it because he's shooting it from all over the place at the minute. Mm-hmm. And you don't know if he's going to drive. You know, in that situation, if he drives to the rim the way he does, there's a high risk or high chance, should I say, that he draws the foul. Mm. And he's a pretty decent free throw shooter. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Like most Bulls players at the minute seem to be splitting them. Um, but if he is one of them, it's a different game. Um, or he gets the layup. Or he blows it. And obviously, if he does blow it, I don't think Bulls Nation get it. Because it's different. Maybe, and, potentially. You know, if it becomes a consistent thing where it goes to Kobe and he consistently blows it, a bit like Zach, mm-hmm. then, yeah, go back to Demar or 
somebody else. Do you know what I mean? If P. Will's on the court at the time, go to P. Will. Just do something different. And the fact that, obviously, recently defences of, you know, Kobe's on the board now, isn't he? You know, in the, the looking at what Kobe does. And I think recently, more recently, Kobe's adapted his game again to better the defence. Do you know what I mean? So if I'm sat there watching and thinking to myself, I don't know what Kobe's going to do. Surely the opposition are going to be going, well, hang on. We didn't know it was going to Kobe. What is he actually going to do? Is he going to go behind the back, throw, brick, you know, chuck a three up? Mm. Is he going to go between his legs and then drive? Is, you know, you just, nobody knows because we haven't seen it in right. that situation. You know, so um, I don't mind going to ISO Demar if Demar's hot. And he wasn't hot in that fourth quarter or no. the fourth quarter before against Hornets. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know what what's your sort of take on ISO Demar and well. First and first and foremost, just to, to talk about what you just uh, you just said, I like your point with Kobe, right? You don't know what Kobe's going to do. My point was because we haven't seen it, but your point is because he's capable of doing a number of things, and we don't know which one he would do. But the good thing about that is the opposition don't know what he's going to do either. And instead of knowing, Demar is going to run the clock, pump fake and then shoot or Zach is probably going to fumble the ball or scrabble it together and, and shoot and miss or maybe score. Um, apart from that, you know what to expect. Nobody knows what to expect from Kobe, partly because we haven't seen it, partly because he's capable of numerous things. And that's a good thing, right? That is a good thing because that gives us a slight upper hand because you're not just defending the isolation. You're not just defending the three. You're now all of a sudden, you're having to defend him almost four ways because he can, he can drive, he can shoot, he can pass, and he can try and blow by you. And that's not to say that the other two aren't capable of it. It's just we know that's not what they're going to do. We know exactly what DeMar's yeah. going to do. We know exactly what Zach is going to do. But, yeah. You're absolutely correct. I totally agree with you. You don't know what Kobe's going to do, and and I like that. I like that. Yeah. And yeah, go on. <clears throat> um, you know, like obviously we kind of saw it a little bit in overtime last night when the ball didn't go through Demar. You know, Zach had them two plays where he ended up with six points off him, didn't he? The the yeah. one and then the three. Mm-hmm. The very next play, the ball goes to Kobe and he hits a three. And all right, it's not a clutch situation that one for Kobe. Well, but, some some would say overtime is all clutch from start to finish. Yeah, I mean it was just effectively the game-winning basket. Mm-hmm. It was the one that seemed to put the game out of reach. And the the impressive thing was he took it. Yeah, he didn't even think about what he was doing. The ball come to him, boom, gone. Yeah, you know. Had he missed it, yeah, you know. But you'd have known that had the ball come to him the next play, he was still going to shoot it, whether he hit it or missed it or what. And that's, Mm -hmm. to me, a sign of how Kobe has improved, grown as a player, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, so the next question I sort of, or point to start with is, Obviously, Zach and Kobe last night. And obviously, it is seemed to be trending before the game because of the chemistry they've got, the fact that they're the only two from the previous regime. You know, the things that they say to each other all, or have been saying about each other more mm. to the point. Um, the various, you know, beat writers that have been writing about them. And then all of a sudden, they both go out and have probably the best games of the season individually. Mm. 
And now all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, Zach and Kobe. You know, even Bulls are pushing it. They've just dropped them album cover things again with the yeah. two of them on. You know, other creators, podcasters, whatever, are saying or talking about them and stuff like that. But it was only two weeks ago that, or a week ago, whatever it was, it was Damar and Kobe. You know, because they both worked with Johnny Dribble too much. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been guilty of it myself. I said, I don't think Kobe and Zach can play together. Mm-hmm. Last night doesn't particularly change my opinion. Okay. I enjoyed it. And I, it, it's one game. You know what I mean? And the whole narrative around Zach at the minute kind of is maybe why I'm not believing it that it it can work moving forward so this is kind of a bit of a two-part question is the problem Zach and Damar as a as a duo and who does Kobe work best with in your opinion okay that's an interesting one actually um, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to struggle to give you a straight answer if, I, if I'm being that's, perfectly that's honest. not like you. I know. I know. I like to, I like to move <laughs> away from the norm. <laughs> I didn't say it was going to necessarily be a long answer or a long-winded answer. I just said it wouldn't be a straight answer, right? Um, okay. So, <laughs> Kobe has got to the point in his career and the way he's been playing this season where I think he's become so adaptable that from a Kobe perspective, it doesn't matter whether you're going to put him with DeMar or whether you're going to put him with Zach, Kobe's making it work. And I think he's the, he's the common denominator of success at the moment between those combinations and, and chemistry wise. So to pick it apart and actually say, taking that out of the equation and just looking at it as a unit of Damar and Kobe and as a unit of Zach and Kobe, if Zach is prepared to defer to Kobe White in clutch situations, I say Zach and Kobe. If Zach is not prepared to defer and Damar, we've already seen he, he up until the last two games, does defer if needs be and makes it work as a, as, a, as a team unit. So we know he can and is capable of doing that. I still think it looks more effective, but it's one game sample size, bearing that in mind. They look more effective with Zach than it did with, with DeMar. Yeah, like I said, to me, like you just said, it is one game. It's a very yeah. small sample size. We've seen more of Kobe and Damar. We have. And and it worked. We've seen this one game where it seems to work between Zach and, mm-hmm. or this season anyway, between Zach and Kobe. Like you just said, the, the, the sort of man in the middle, I guess, is Kobe. Right. And it's a discussion that we've never really had to have before because Kobe's never been this player before. Yeah. And that's why I asked, is the problem Damar and Zach? Is it them two can't exist on the court together? As much as they say they're good friends, as much as, you know, that I'm not interested in that. I, I don't care if they like each other or not. Okay. The games, do their games suit? You know, okay, well, that is because everyone said, didn't they? If Lonzo was there, we saw what happened. Yeah, Kobe seems to have taken on that mantle of the Lonzo role that people wanted to see, mm-hmm. being an extra pair of hands, basically. Plain point. So, so like I say, is is the problem them two just can't exist on the court together? I'm reluctant to say that they can't exist on the court together because we have seen it working, even post-Lonzo. Um, ha- however, I do think that their games are... 
not necessarily complementary to one another. Let's put it that way. I don't think that the way, particularly in the clutch, I don't think that the way that DeMar plays and the way that Zach plays necessarily marry well together, especially in tight game situations or difficult game situations where maybe we're behind by 15, 20, 25 points. Neither one really knows what to do. It, it becomes this kind of one-two punch, but neither one's connecting, where they try and kind of go, okay, it's your turn, Demar. Okay, it's your turn, Zach. Okay, now back to you, Demar. Now back to you, Zach. It's so predictable, and that's something we've spoken about in the past. It's so predictable and not necessarily effective um, that it makes it look like they can't work together on the court at the same time, I think. But there's actually no reason why they shouldn't be able to make it work if they were more prepared to, I suppose, round off their game a little bit more where they're not just Zach playing his typical game and DeMar playing his typical game, which is what DeMar has been doing over the last number of games where he has changed. And, you know, as we refer to him as San Antonio DeMar, where he's become more passive and not in a negative way. I don't mean that negatively. Zach seems to have stepped in and and tried to focus on his defense as the catalyst to move forward. And that seemed to work last night for him. He had a great mm-hmm. game offensively and offensively for a finish. Now, whether it can all come together, that's the big question. And how long will it have to come together for as well is the other question, I guess. But if they can, if they can make their individual talent that they have and this new adjustment that they're trying to make to both their games, if they can bring that all in together with Kobe in the middle, I don't see any reason why it shouldn't work. But it all comes down to how prepared both DeMar and Zach are to affect their games enough in order to make it affect the team team play enough. I guess. Yeah. And obviously the big question is how much longer are we actually going to see it? Exactly. Is it exactly. next week? Because it's the 15th on Monday. Mm-hmm. Is it the 8th of February? Or is it, that's it. This this is it now, basically. Yeah. Um, so one last question on it. If Zach doesn't get traded because that's obviously the big biggest one how confident are you that what we saw last night between Kobe and Zach can come work how confident am I based on a one game sample size not overly let me see it for three straight games four, five straight games and then i'll tell you where i'm at but at the moment to just make a decision based off one game well i mean we say one game it's one game where zach has started i mean if you look back on it the other there were two other games where zach came off the bench so it it, it i suppose technically a three game sample size but this was the first time as starters um yeah uh yeah i need more i need more before i can make a decision on it i think it's it's just it's too limited to base an opinion on one game. Yeah, and that's what Bulls Nation seems to be doing. <laughs> As we know, Bulls Nation is very reactionary. <laughs> very, um, which is fun, and, but yeah, not really. Uh, yeah, I mean, the fact that we're not that reactionary makes it hard to give opinions. I guess. Yeah either way but anyway so obviously moving on away from last night's game and my full court press um the paris game obviously Uh it's coming up to i think it'd be a year next week is it that we went yeah true bulls pistons and stuff like that obviously calves nets um well it was going on when we started recording Uh, i don't know if it's finished now you like highlighted something to me 
yesterday, I think it was, that yeah. you just wanted to sort of mention. So, you know, yeah. obviously, I'll let you take the floor. Well, I mean, I haven't, I haven't actually, or hadn't actually checked. It's too late to check it now, but I hadn't actually checked it. But what I found with the game with the Bulls and Pistons last year, apart from the fact that it was nigh on impossible to get tickets, right? We spoke about it at the time, how we tried and the system wouldn't allow us. Uh, anyway, we had all sorts of headaches. For a finish, we ended up having to rely on some sources that we have that that came good for us and, and fair play to them. And we'll be forever grateful to the Chicago Bulls um, organization and, and its staff for getting us tickets to go um, or to be able to go. But as Joe Soap people jumping on the internet trying to book a ticket, which we were to begin with, it just it didn't happen. And there was no continuous advertising to buy tickets, to purchase tickets, because the tickets were gone instantly. Mm. But I found this Cavs-Nets game is that we're still kind of advertising tickets up until midweek. Now, whether that was just a PR thing and it just happened to be in the system that they were just rolling out and there weren't tickets available, I don't know for sure. But it, it definitely did make me kind of think, well, if that is the case, that just goes to show the gravitas that the Chicago Bulls organization has globally. Yeah. Compared to other teams. I mean, we are definitively a big market basketball club, right? And yet we don't seem to have the respect around the league of being that kind of a club. But once you go outside of America, it's it's tangible yeah yeah i mean before i just get into it, it there's 35 seconds left and Cavs oh. are winning 100 109 98 okay according to the nba up so obviously i don't know well yeah obviously that's going to keep changing looks like Cavs are going to get the win obviously from a bulls point of view you can stay ahead of nets but yes. we're further behind Cavs. There. So. Yeah, there is yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's like I said to you before, were we looking at, at it through rose tinted glasses? Mm. Um, because obviously, we're not interested in a Nets versus Cavs game apart right. from the result to see where how it affects Bulls, as I've right. just said. So, we haven't been like immersed in the, the publicity side of it. the or not, you know, and because we kind of knew we were going as well, mm-hmm. I think that led to a lot more of the excitement from from us personally as well. Of course. Obviously, we follow Bulls and all their socials and stuff like that, and they were pushing it and pushing it and pushing it, telling mm-hmm. us what was going to happen out there and stuff like that. I think the fact it was against Pistons helped as well because... They had, uh, oh, they've got Killian Hayes, obviously French. Yeah. As we said when we went, there was a decent-sized Pistons following, but it was nothing compared to the Bulls following. Absolutely not. And to me, these international series games, whatever you want to call them, I mean, I don't know how big Nets and Cavs fan bases outside of. Brooklyn and Cleveland, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It, it Because, I don't mean the thing, but I'm not particularly interested either. Do you know what I mean? No. I, 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 as we always say, we're about Chicago Bulls. But, if you put Bulls against Lakers, for example, or Lakers against Warriors, or yeah. however, you, you know, these bigger market teams the the more known teams do you know what i mean that yeah it's gonna just sell out by that doesn't matter whether it's bulls involved lakers involved whatever i just don't get why they've gone with them two teams all right yeah Cavs had a decent year last year all right they won the championship with lebron Mm -hmm. nobody really cares about them now though do they but that's exactly it. I was going to say, you know, the only time you saw people walking around with Cavs jerseys on and Cavs stuff on was when LeBron was playing for them. 
now that LeBron is long gone, I couldn't tell you the last time I saw someone wearing a Cavs, jer a Cavs jersey. No. Okay, Brooklyn, yeah, you still see people wearing Nets, Nets stuff. And um, to be fair, um, Primarni, Primark, Pennies, whatever you want to call it, yeah. they um, they had a, a, you know, they do an NBA range, a lot of Bulls stuff, a lot of Lakers stuff. But Nets is actually one of the teams that they've had a few yeah. bits of uh, as well. So there is that kind of little bit of marketing push clothing wise um, outside of America. But again, it's nothing like Bulls and, and Lakers. I mean, anywhere you go, that's anything to do with basketball. There's two things you can guarantee. You're going to see some red and black and, and white, and you're going to see some purple and gold. Yeah. You know, everywhere. It's, it's a guarantee. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, look, I'm not trying to take anything away from Cavs, Nets, the fan bases, oh, no. whatever. Me neither. But Just obviously, about like I said, yeah. And, and I suppose at the end of the day, it would get boring if it was the same teams that were getting pushed. Yeah. And is that maybe what the NBA are doing? Is they're trying to promote these other teams now? Do you know what I mean? And right. In, well, in the same way that other sports do it. Yeah. And but I've got a theory on that, right? That's all good and well, and I get that. You're trying to raise profiles of other teams, and, and especially if they've got, you know, superstars, all-stars, or whatever on the teams. I, I get that. But what you need to be doing, or what I, I think anyway, personally, what I think you need to be doing is you need to be sending those kind of lesser teams with a big market team. So like they did with Detroit, they sent a team like Detroit with the Bulls because Detroit had a French player and the Bulls are the Bulls. Yeah. And it was a roaring success, right? And that's not just me saying that. If you look at anything after it, after it happened, it was everybody was impressed. Everybody was, you know, praising it, whether you're a Bulls fan, a Pistons fan, or a neutral. Um, and I think if you sent over a team like Cavs or, excuse me, um, or Nets with a team like Lakers, Nuggets, Warriors, Celtics, Bulls. That's going to raise the profile of that because they're in with the big market team. It's going to get a draw. A lot more neutrals will go because they know the brands of those teams. Mm. And it may very well pique their interest of the other team and say, oh, well, we'll check out the Cavs or we'll check out the Nets or whoever. Yeah. Uh, Cavs won 111, 102. Um, yeah, I mean, it's maybe not even about the the organisation. It can be about the players. You know, if yeah. you sent Grizzlies over, for mm. example, not at the minute, but who would they use to promote it? Jamarant. You know, the neutrals would go to watch Jamarant. Absolutely. Ne neutrals aren't going to watch Jarrett Allen. And that's not you know. to say he's not a, a talented player. It's just he doesn't have that same draw. Yeah. You know, if you send Nuggets over, current champions, Joker, you know, they've mm -hmm. got that European connection the same way that Vooch had it last yes. year. Um, Joker probably doesn't care. He'd be more interested in... <laughs> he just wants to go and play on. with his horses. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I like the idea of it. I think it just needs to be worked better either get mm -hmm. like you say has to be one of the big market teams or a face of the nba coming over like in terms yeah. of a player uh to make it you know because people will go to watch chicago bulls because everyone's yes. heard of chicago bulls yeah. neutrals from england aren't going to pay all that money to go to paris to watch Cavs. no if nets still had that super team together like from last year, people mm -hmm. may have gone across to watch that. Yeah. But nobody's going across to watch this current Nets team as a neutral. You know, fair play to the fans that have gone over, travelled over, whatever. You know, oh, yeah. the, your, it's, it's your team. You know, enjoy it. Uh, you know, absolutely. We did. It's, not a knock, it's not a knock on fans of those teams at all because absolutely, you, you take your opportunity, you go, you see them 100%. 100% of course and they will and I'm sure they have 
it's it's more like you're saying it's the neutrals and and yeah. the big and trying to raise profiles globally and, yeah. and and i think that's where they're missing a trick yeah um um obviously moving on again and a bit more marketing talk i guess <laughs> um tomorrow night bulls take on the warriors in what is the um ring of honor game yes and you know bulls are doing their bit to really push it at the minute mm -hmm. you know there's some pretty interesting stuff gone out you know words from barack obama about michael jordan yeah uh stuff about dennis rodman obviously everybody else who's getting inducted there seems to be something else and can i can uh, i just say actually sorry just to cut across you there but can i just say they're getting eddie vedder to write about dennis rodman which he done in handwriting by the way he never printed it off which is yeah class. Seen that. yeah um it's absolutely truly inspired um I'm pretty sure you you know the background. I know you're a big uh, Dennis Rodman fan, but for anyone listening that might not quite know the story, um, and, and if you haven't read any of Dennis Rodman's autobiograph autobiographical stuff or even watched the really really bad TV TV movie that was made years ago, you should you should certainly look it up because Dennis Rodman sat, you know, he was a big Pearl Jam fan, right? And he sat in his pickup truck with a shotgun outside the detroit pistons arena on the verge of doing something really stupid and he was listening to pearl jam at the time and it was listening to pearl jam that brought him back around to himself mm. so technically in a roundabout kind of way and i'm sure dennis would say this if he was if he was talking here right now which one day but <laughs> he would say Eddie Vedder's band saved his life. Pearl Jam saved his life. Yeah. Come full circle and have Eddie Vedder write about Dennis Rodman. I just think it's, I just think it's beautiful. I think it's amazing. Yeah. And um, I mean, obviously we spoke about the ring of honor when they first announced it, what yeah. our initial thoughts on it were. And like you've just said with the whole, dennis rodman thing mm -hmm. they're doing it right they are and that is one thing that this bulls organization do is the off-court stuff is just as we've just been discussing they're a big market they're mm -hmm. one of the biggest organized sports organizations franchises what you want to call them in the world yeah you have to have the right people doing the right things behind the scenes and you know full credit to bulls you know it's a shame we can't be at the is it the atrium or whatever where this whole thing yeah. is getting set up you know seen pictures of it it looks amazing we saw i guess a, a little glimpse of it in paris last year when they had the house of bulls yeah definitely you know you know that that was incredible to 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 look at you know so to do that side of it right the fact that they're honoring these legends as well is you know about time basically mm. um but they're doing it in the right way my concern is the fact they're doing it during a game you know because yeah. at the end of the day there's still the on-court stuff that has to be sorted out and i don't know if you listened to it yet but the the last bulls talk that come out obviously um They've got the broadcast side of it to to look after, yeah. and Kevin Anderson was saying about he's seen like the schedule for it basically, and Bulls have had to yeah. apply to have an extension to half time. It's usually about sixteen minutes, but at the minute it's looking at between twenty and twenty five minutes because they've got a set up, and mm -hmm. then they've got is it a fifteen minute sort of induction ceremony, whatever you want to call it. There's going to be speeches, so chances are it overruns. Yeah. And you don't want it to be a close game going into half time. And it, yeah, it's going to work for both teams. I'm not. not you Absolutely. Know. Then they also, you know, the players are getting cold. They, they come out, they do this little shoot around at half time. Then they've got to stand and, you know, they're going to respect what they're seeing because it's legends of the game. Yes. 
you know, Steve Kerr being the coach of Warriors, you know, we know all about that. But I just think they should have done it before or after, not during the game. Yeah. Because I think it kind of takes away from the game and it make, it's making it all about that in a way or they could have done it completely separate i know they've got the the audience there the crowd there and all that if they do it during a game but yeah to me that that's my only concern with it and yeah it's a regular season game but at this stage it's quite an important one for bulls and it's important for warriors as well because yeah, they're it is. in the right mess at the minute so yeah i mean what what do you think about the, the sort of timing of it and well, following on from what you were saying there, I agree with you entirely. I mean, it could be an absolute momentum killer for whichever team has the swing. Um, it could also be a potential for injury because, like you say, players have gotten cold and then they're expected to run back in and, and, and take off again after an extended break um, at the halfway point. And then you could potentially be opening up the possibility of an injury there, um, muscles getting cold. Um, hopefully not. Hopefully it all goes well. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be a spectacle. I'm sure it's going to be yeah. to watch. Uh, that's that's not what we're saying. Um, I, I do think you're right, though. I think it would have been nice to do it at the start of the game. I think even leaving it to the end of the game, at that stage, you've got one side that's going to be not happy. Do you yeah. know? And if if it happens to be the Bulls that lose, they're not really going to be in the right spirit to then start celebrating this if they've just lost the game, especially if it was a close game. Um, plus, also, you've got the potential for overtime. What happens if it spills into overtime? You know, it's happened in the last two games. It's not unheard <laughs> of to happen a third time. Yeah. And, and then you're pushing it all further along again. It kind of gets messy. I think what they should have done was they should have allotted a certain period of time prior to the game. And done the ceremony before the game plus i also think then that has the potential to lift the spirits of the balls players and give them something almost extra to play for and it could have yeah. actually worked beneficial that way yeah i mean you could have had all of them legends there forming like uh is it the guard of honor what they call it where yeah, they call it yeah. you know so they could have done the the induction and then they could have had all of them legends or as many legends as they can forming that you know that tunnel of players basically so that the likes of kobe white are you know coming down and the, you know we don't know who's going to be there that's my next question you know but potentially getting dabbed up by mj do you know what i mean mm -hmm. scotty pippen whoever else is there that's surely got to give them a bit of a lift and get a bit of the old style bulls spirit into this current team do you know what i mean yeah yeah absolutely um so yeah obviously like you said sure it's going to be brilliant to watch you mm -hmm. know obviously um imagine tim sinclair shout out to him four times uh all-star himself yes absolutely congratulations um, tim. you know uh we forgot to mention it on the last one so yeah like you say congratulations tim I'm sure he'll do a fantastic job of oh absolutely you know the announcing side of it and stuff like that and I imagine and it's a huge it gives him the opportunity to introduce players that he probably never thought he'd get the opportunity to introduce like, yeah like when he did the 75 anniversary um he got to name players he thought he'd never get to to, to say the likes of Michael Jordan Scotty Pippen Dennis Rodman yeah exactly I'm sure he's very excited about the whole thing you know, and that kind of takes me on to the next question. But before I ask you the question, if if MJ is there, imagine what it's going to be like for Tim Sinclair to announce mm. Michael Jordan at the United Center. Oh, I'd imagine that would be that peak gone. Done. Yeah, <laughs> retire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <Paul>. mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yeah. So that takes me on to my question: Will Michael Jordan and Scotty Pippen be at the United Centre tomorrow night together? No. <laughs> no, they won't. 
Will any of them be uh, there? I'd, I think one or the other will be there. I don't think both will be there. Um, sadly, unfortunately, I think, I think the most likely person to be there is probably going to be Scotty. Yeah. Um, there might be a, a video, there might be a VT from the other person, maybe. Um, but I, I, I just, I can't, I, do you know, you've got me thinking now because I'd absolutely love, this is dream stuff now. I'd love if the two of them walked in there. Could you imagine the reaction oh. in the United Center? If the two of them were there and the two of them, whether it's for the sake of the cameras or what, shook hands or embraced or even gave each other a, a smile and a, and, a, and a laugh or anything. Like, could you imagine the eruption around the arena? Yeah. It'd be amazing. And but that happen. Arena, it lifts the atmosphere. Mm. And it lifts balls. Hopefully not warriors. You know, so yeah, it's uh, like I said, you say, I don't think they'll be there together. Yeah. To be honest, I don't think any of them will be there full stop. I think it'll be all video for them too. Um, Do you really? Yeah, because they're actually getting inducted as individuals as well, aren't they? Not yes, just as they part are. of yeah. the 96 team. You know, so yeah, it'd be nice to see them there. I think they've had their moment with the jersey retirements and stuff like that yeah. as well. Yeah. So, moving on from that, like we just said, we face Warriors tomorrow. So, it's prediction time. Now, Warriors are a complete mess. Mm -hmm. Bulls have turned the corner somewhat yeah but are still a little bit of a mess yeah you know if you want to look at it one way it could be a chance for zach to show himself to warriors mm -hmm. get that trade yeah showcase could be a chance for us to look at moses moody jonathan kaminga whoever else dream on green if mm -hmm. he's not retired um it depends what moody's in done it really yeah so Where's your head at with this one? I, I can't see it being anything other than a dub, really. Uh, purely because... A dub against the dubs. Purely because <laughs> um, there's just going to be too much... There's going to be too much uh, excitement and too much fire going around the UC. And I think it will inspire, inspire and spur on the balls to, uh, to take the win. Yeah, see, Warriors got battered. Last night, didn't they? Did you see yes. the score against Pelicans? Was it 130, 105 or something like that? Yeah, something ridiculous. Yeah. Um, they're, they're hurting. They're going to come out wanting blood, I think. Yeah, uh, and they're going to want to spoil the show, of course. Yeah, especially Steve Kerr. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, he's going to prove what, what he's capable of, basically. Yeah. hopefully for him um i kind of got i want to say we're going to win it but i think we're going to lose it Ooh. okay i don't know i like it, it when just, we differ though just seems to me like it's going to be one of them games where trap game a trap game against the warriors <laughs> you know <laughs> well i mean like we're saying they're in disarray so yeah yeah yeah, so I just think it's a game where we step on the court thinking we've already won it. Right. And we just don't show up. Yikes. Obviously, it is the first of a back-to-back. -back. That one been at the United Centre. They'll be then jumping on the plane to, you know, which, again, we don't need the extended half-time to jump on a plane to San Antonio mm -hmm. to face the Spurs for the third time in, is it a month? Six weeks, whatever it is now. Yeah. Um, Wemby just dropped a uh, triple double last night. You yeah, messed up your to fantasy put him into team. My fantasy league. <laughs> <laughs> Left him on the um, 
you know, and again, this has all the potential to be a trap game because mm -hmm. we should beat Spurs, but we're going in on the back of a back-to-back -back, or the second night of a back-to-back -back. with last year we saw that Spurs can beat us yeah and it is a team that for the most part of the game we struggle against just luckily in the last two games we've managed to basically stop Wemby being Wemby and well slow the rest of the team down more than Wemby down mm. so where'd you head out with that one dub not a win we're gonna go strive for five <clears throat> And that would put us one below 500. Yes, it would. With Cavs on deck after that, I believe it is, on their return mm. from Paris. Could be six. <laughs> yeah, for you, anyway. Well, if you were to ask me now to go as far as a prediction against the Cavs, I'd actually, that's where I'd pull up the L. Yeah, standard. Um, yeah, I think we should beat Spurs. I'll say we do beat them. So I think we split the games. Okay. So yeah, uh, I've got nothing else. I don't know if you have. Nope. So yeah, um, as always, appreciate for you listening. Um, as we said at the start, hit the bell, give us a thumbs up, leave the comments. If you haven't checked out my solo effort, like I say that's there as well. A bit more talk about the Rockets game. And yeah. Once again, thanks for listening. As always, I've been Matt, and you can find me on Twitter at MattCRedUK, and you can find us on all the socials at CRedUK. And you can find me on Twitter at NeilCRedUK. On behalf of us both and the Fans First Sports Network, thanks once again to everyone for tuning in, whether you're watching or listening. Uh, we do ask you also, please, to make sure that you subscribe, give us the thumbs up and all that, as Matt says, because it helps us to keep going with this and keep providing you with the content. And from both of us, please do remember, it's a Chicago Bulls thing wherever you are in the world. And uh, until next time, see you red people. Go Bulls!